0: For your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith, Thursday, December 8th, 2016. racing to get back on top, top of the pile of heresy and work, (laughs) need to drink a little of my Earl Grey here, hang on. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseborough. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is a program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, help you slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. There is, in our day, no shortage of crazy things being said out there and what we do We take the time to open up our Bibles to compare with the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolates, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those who we need to be listening to, whose books we need to be buying, whose small group curricula we need to be studying instead of. The Word of God yeah that 's generally how that works out, and over and again we demonstrate that what 's being said out there isn 't squaring, something is off, something is amiss and uh, and the idea here is you learn biblical discernment, sound biblical doctrine, you learn pick up a little bit of apologetics along the way, some epistemology, even if you 've never heard the word before. And the idea then is, is that you then become equipped so that you can protect yourself and others and help open the Bible and explain what it really means to people. Because, listen, what the Bible really says so much greater, so much more interesting than what is being said out there in the evangelical industrial complex. Just saying. So uh, here's what we're going to be doing today. Oh, man. We're going to, yeah, it seems like we've do, been doing a lot of Prophetic Holy Orders stuff lately. Uh, we're going to be begin with the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate and uh, listen to Katie Sousa as she explains to us the importance of casting out Legion. You're thinking, Legion? Yeah, you know, Legion, the um, the horde of de- that was in the demoniac on the other side of the garrisons. Anyway, we'll, we're going to be uh, listening to Katie Sousa on that. And uh, I think I probably should play our standard warning before we get into that. And uh, and then Jennifer LeClaire of uh, Charisma Magazine and the Elijah List. Well, she's going to be telling us about the Angels of Abundant Harvest. Apparently brand new, fresh revelation hot off the presses, just came in via download to um, Jennifer LeClaire. And uh, so she's going to be sharing that with us, the Angels of a of Abundant Harvest Prophecy Revelation. I don't know what it is. She's actually going to be engaging in exegesis, which is the weird part. And uh, so we'll listen to that. And then we're going to note Andy Stanley is at it again. Um, <laughs> seems... Like, uh, you know, all the damage control that he did <laughs> earlier in the summer uh, to, uh, you know, to patch up the uh, the hole that he blasted in the own his, well, the side of his own ship, uh, he's going to open it back up again because <laughs> Andy Stanley apparently says it really doesn't matter if Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary or not. And uh, so we'll listen to part of that message. We might go a little bit longer than his statement because I... As I listened to the sermon, I thought it'd be fun to just go just a smidge farther and note the fact he didn't go far enough back in the book of Genesis. I'll explain when we get there, and then we'll end off hour one with Joel Osteen. And yeah, yeah, let me put it this way, okay? If you believe in the word of faith heresy, and that's what it is, if you believe in the word of faith heresy, then you believe that your words create reality, that, you know, And that your thoughts play into that. So you have to constantly keep this positive attitude and things like that. But what if you actually get sick and then, well, God in his mercy permits you to experience healing, you know, whether it's through medical technology or other things. And the condition that was so threatening then disappears. Who gets the glory? Christ or you? Because you had, well, such amazing faith. Now, I asked the question because we're going to listen to Joel Osteen and his message titled, Protect Your Imagination. And no joke, uh, he's going to talk about the fact that his mother had terminal cancer. And we're going to see who gets the glory for the fact that she is cancer-free at the moment. Is it Christ or his mother? Mm-hmm. And, then to, uh, and then in hour number two, we're going to go back in time to... Uh, Uh, Oral Roberts University to a chapel service delivered in 1974 by Catherine Kuhlman. The name of it is Just Jesus. No joke, that's the name of the chapel message, Just Jesus. And we're going to see if this chapel message is only about Jesus or if Jesus gets an honorable mention while Catherine Kuhlman preaches about Catherine Kuhlman. Yeah, so that will be today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. Strongly recommend that you make yourself comfortable. We have a lot of ground that we need to cover, so I will play one of our standard warnings before we get into things. Here we go.
2: So I was having this wedding and, and we
1: uh, we, well, we didn't have, we had Shabbat. Mm, Shabbat. Shabbat. Shanda.
0: Yeah, that's right. It's uh, time for Prophetic Holy Order's Network Information Exchange Syndicate Update. We're going to check in with uh, <laughs> one of the newer syndicate members. Her name is, um, well, Katie Sousa. We've covered her before. And we're going to be listening into her message titled, Casting Out Legion. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to just kind of note something here. Um, the Bible teaches that there are these things called demons. Most certainly this is true. And from what we've been able to piece together from Scripture, they are fallen angels. They began their existence as angels in eternity, and the devil led some kind of a rebellion against God, a very selfish, self-centered uh, rebellion against God, and somehow conco- you know, was able to convince a third of the angels to join him in this ridiculous uprising and they were cast to the earth. And so uh, that's where demons came from. And we read in the gospel accounts of a, of a fellow who lived in the garrisons. He was a demoniac and he had a legion of demons that Jesus cast out of him and, and into a herd of pigs, herd of pigs in Israel. Hmm. Not a smart thing to be doing, but, um, I say all of that to say this, as Christians, who do we have dwelling inside of us? Our bodies are the temple of the what? Yeah, that would be the Holy Spirit. So I've, I've got a problem here, and that is, is that, well, Legion is a well, a group of demons. And why on earth should I believe that Christians can be possessed by demons that need to be cast out of them when they are indwelled by God the Holy Spirit. If my body's the temple of the Holy Spirit, why would the Holy Spirit share that temple with demons? That doesn't make any sense. In fact, you're going to look long and hard in Scripture, but you will find no account in Scripture of a Christian. Mm-hmm. A Christian you know, filled with the Holy Spirit, also, well, (laughs) you know, filled with a demon, or 6,000. Yeah, so here's Katie Sousa, and before we even get into it, I've already got, like, you know, problems with this whole concept, because it doesn't make any sense, but here we go.
3: I brought two groups of angels with me, one was Breakthrough, and his group, and the other one was a very interesting angel. His
0: name is Legion Expert. Uh huh. Yeah. So she's preaching at some church in Atlanta, the Life Center in Atlanta, and uh, this was uh, early in the fall. And uh, so she claimed that she brought two groups of angels with her. You know, breakthrough angels and uh, angels that are well, they're experts in dealing with, you know, that that Legion fella. Uh huh. All right, let's continue.
3: You know why? Sometimes angels are named after what they do.
0: Breakthrough does breakthrough.
3: Legion expert is an expert on the spirit of Legion. He's an...
0: Right, yeah. yeah. She's such the expert herself, you know.
3: Expert at taking him off of you.
0: But really? Yeah, uh, the, the, the Legion expert is the expert at taking Legion off of you. Right, yeah. I think Katie Seuss is the expert of malarkey, you know?
3: Now, he and his troop, they look like they're from the Vietnam days with the really cool aviator glasses, but they're wearing desert khakis. And when I said, God, why not jungle khakis? Why desert khakis? He said, because these are the angels that drive a spirit out of a man into dry and waterless places where they can find no rest.
0: Wow, yeah. So that's why those angels, they wear desert khakis. know. Right,
3: yeah. Now, I ask this question wherever I go, when I teach this, because I only teach it when the angel shows up. And I I get a shocking response. And I'm going to ask you the same question. How many of you have ever legitimately or or realized that you were battling the spirit of Legion? Raise your hand.
0: Yeah, I'm not raising my hand here. I'm (laughs) pretty sure I haven't done that yet, yeah. Okay, hey,
3: there's a few people. Do you know in the last meeting there was no one? Then I said, How many of you know somebody that, that's ever battled the Spirit of Legion? How many in here? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, in the last meeting, not a single person raised their hand. You know why? Because we are battling the Spirit of Legion, but we don't know it. We do not realize it. Gasp.
0: I've been battling Legion and didn't even know it? Oh no. What'll do I do?
3: Because even though he's 6,000 strong, he's working in a stealth way, and
0: we would never imagine... 6,000 strong, stealthy spirit demon thingy. Right.
3: That the stuff that we're dealing with is coming from Legion. How many of you uh, have ever had vertigo or, or have vertigo right now? Raise your hand. Vertigo. Raise your hand really high. Now, see, that's a pretty lot of people there uh, that raise their hand with vertigo. You are fighting the spirit of Legion, and you don't know it. That vertigo is not a sickness. It's from that spirit.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. So you don't have a legitimate medical condition. No, you just have the spirit of Legion. And if you, you know, deal with, the, if you embrace the angels that are like Legion experts, the ones wearing the military desert khakis, then they're, they'll get that demon right off you and you'll never have vertigo again because that's not really a real medical condition. That's Legion. Uh-huh.
3: How many of you battle with yearly with the flu or bacterial infections, edemas, viruses, chronic bladder, or yeast infections? Raise your hand. You're not battling with the flu. You don't have edema. You're being assaulted by a demonic spirit called Legion.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had no idea that uh, yeast infections were caused by... The demonic. No, I, that, this is totally news to me. I'm learning something new today here.
3: How many of you have a noisy mind? You're not sure if it's God talking to you or if it's something else. That's it? Come on. Chatter mind. How many of you have a chatter noisy mind?
0: So do you have chatter mind? Well, that, that's probably Legion 2. I can see where this is going.
3: I feel like your mind's almost being controlled, like you can't hear through all the noise. I want to hear God, but I can't because there's so much other chatter, senseless chatter in the mind. Oh That's a spirit of legion. Oh Amen. Did you hear me? I want to read. I want to read that scripture. Let's start with that from Mark five. You ready? Let's stand for the reading of the word.
0: So Mark five is going to say that yeast infections are caused by legion in chatter mind too. Yeah, I. I what translation of the Bible are you reading there, Katie? I'm reading from
3: the Amplified. It says this: They came. That's Jesus to the other side of the Sea of the Region. of the Region of the Gerasenes. And as soon as he, that's Jesus, got out of the boat, there met him out of the tombs a man under the power of an unclean spirit. This man continually lived among the tombs, and no one could subdue him any more, even with a chain. For he had been bound often with shackles for the feet and handcuffs, but the handcuffs of light chains he wrenched apart, and the shackles he rubbed and ground together and broke in pieces. No one had the strength enough to restrain or tame him. Night and day he was among the tombs, beating and bruising and cutting himself with stones. And when from a distance he saw Jesus, he ran and fell on his knees before him in homage. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? What is there in common between us? I solemnly implore you, by God, do not begin to torment me. We bless the reading of the word. Go ahead and have a seat.
0: Yeah, that passage pretty much uh, demonstrates that we're dealing with a demoniac with... (laughs) Turns out a demon that calls itself, actually multiple demons that collectively call themselves legion, um, but it doesn't prove that edema, yeast infections, chatter mind, <laughs> bladder control problems, or things, or vertigo are actually caused by legion. <clears throat>
3: So Jesus goes to minister on this region called the region of the Gerasenes. As soon as he steps out of the boat on that region, there met him a man under the control of a demonic spirit. The spirit of legion. Okay. That spirit, when he saw Jesus, he actually threw himself at Jesus' feet and begged him not to torment him. Asked him, we don't have, any, said, we don't have anything in common with Jesus, so please don't torment me. And then he goes on to go through a bunch of different things. That he asks of Jesus. He says, okay, don't send me out of the region.
0: (laughs) goes through a bunch of different things. Yeah, so exegesis kind of goes like this for Katie Souza. And so then, like, the demon said some stuff. And and then Jesus did some stuff and said some stuff to the demon, man. And then something really happened. And then the demon said some more stuff. and (laughs) Oh, this is terrible. Why are these people listening to this woman?
3: Can I go into the pigs? Uh, we are legion from, we are many and a bunch of stuff happens but the end result is Jesus lets him go out of the man into the pigs, the pigs get drowned and the man is delivered. in the Bible
0: yeah that, that's what happens. Jesus delivers the fella.
3: that man sat there quote, clothed and in his right mind. Clothed and in his right mind. So let's first look at, what was Legion doing to that man? Well, first of all, I mean, it says that he was beating, bruising, and cutting himself.
0: Every- yeah, you you are aware that this is an example of demonic possession. Hmm. And yeah, that's real. That's right. Demonic possession is the real thing. So if this is demonic possession, how is there a one-to-one correlation with church folk who are supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, I'm just not seeing the connection here, Katie.
3: A teen that cuts themselves? One of the spirits that causes that is the spirit of Legion. And I'll explain why in a minute. But you're going to see that those teens usually are afflicted by that spirit because they're wounded in here by bullies or a boyfriend problem or their friends said something hurtful to them. And they're wounded, and that wound in their soul allows that spirit to assault them.
0: The, the wound in their soul allows the spirit to assault them? What? Where'd you get that? So he was beating
3: and bruising and cutting himself. He was running around naked. He was rubbing the shackles together. He was so strong, nobody could restrain him. Of course, if you've got 6,000 demons in you, you're going to have some strength. Amen? Okay. But then the Bible says that when he was delivered of that spirit, he was clothed and in his right mind. Notice it says he was in his right mind. It was obvious that this spirit was affecting his mind.
0: Because
3: he was doing all that crazy stuff, running around naked, living among the tombs, beating and bruising and cutting himself. So it was affecting his mind. He was driving that man.
0: Did he get the yeast infection while he was living in the tombs? I'm curious.
3: Crazy. You know, Legion does affect the minds of people when i see legion coming off of their minds suddenly they can reason better they can think clearer. their mind is quieter they can So
0: hit- you're saying that the majority of the church people you minister are possessed by demons that, that's what i'm hearing here
3: for the lord better than they ever have before they have peace inside their soul a lot happens when legion comes off of their mind they become in their right mind See, when I asked you before how many of you had a noisy mind, many of you raised your hands and say you hear chatter or nonsensical noise in your brain,
0: and you're wondering where that... Yeah, I'm hearing nonsensical noise in my brain at the moment, but the source is quite clear. It's the headphones. Yeah, and this woman that I'm listening to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's causing all kinds of terrible things (laughs) happening inside my brain. She must be the spirit of legion. Coming
3: from. One of the spirits that causes that chatter and that noise in your mind is a spirit of Legion. He's a stinking chatterbox. Look at the New Testament. He's one of the few demons that talk back to Jesus. And he's
0: So there you go. I mean, you know, because <laughs> Legion talk back to Jesus. That means if you got chatter mind, you know, you gotta you gotta get that legion thingy off you man
3: all kinds of things oh jesus what's in common do not torment me oh jesus do not send me out of the region oh jesus my name is legion for we are many oh jesus send us out of the into the pigs i mean he talk 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 talk
0: chatter chatter yeah I, i i'm not buying it katie yeah so that's about as far as i can go with that so yeah i mean wouldn't want to get vertigo or something like that while listening to this so you kind of get the point. I mean, this woman just makes stuff up, just takes a biblical text, turns it into a pretzel. You know, she's playing with the biblical text like it's a balloon animal. Look, it's a rabbit. Oh, wow, this is a sword. And now, you know, and whoa, that now look, it's Legion. And uh, we're going to cure up all those things that you have wrong, you know, all that list of symptoms that apparently come from Legion. But we're never mentioned in the text that actually talked about Legion. That's kind of the weird part. I think you get the point. So um, we're going to uh, move along and we're going to stay under the auspices of the Prophetic Holy Orders Network Information Exchange Syndicate. And we're going to be changing gears and listening to Jennifer LeClaire. And Jennifer LeClaire has a brand new book out. Mm -hmm, She does. It's The Angels of Abundant Harvest. The eight, you know, the, Yeah, this is going to be a really important book, you know, be, and listen, she's going to explain to us how Charisma Publishing House, you know, Charisma House Publishing, they are rushing, r- rushing to get this published because, I mean, this is a super-de-duper timely word from... from Jennifer LeClaire and the role, yeah. And so, you know, what you're going to hear, and I'm not making this up, you are literally going to hear Jennifer LeClaire exegete. She's going to say, and now let's listen to the word of the Lord. And she's going to exegete this word regarding the abundant harvest angels. Yeah, I know. I hope you're sitting down. Here's Jennifer LeClaire.
1: Hi, it's Jennifer Leclaire, senior editor of Charisma Magazine, director of the Awakening House of Prayer in South Florida, and author of the upcoming book, "Releasing the Angels of Abundant Harvest." There is a
0: yeah, you got to release those angels. They're kind of like the you know the the legion expert angels and the breakthrough angels. Yeah, you got to learn how to release them. Yeah, and and the reason why you release angels, by the way, is because if you love them. You will let them go. And if they return to you, they were yours. But if they never return to you, they were never yours. That See, that's the reason why I think you release angels.
1: An abundant harvest at hand. And God is releasing his angels to help bring in the harvest. Let me read you the word.
0: Now, did you catch the... Let me read you the word. And she's not going to open up to... Any book in the Bible. Hear it again. Help bring in the harvest.
1: Let me read you the word. An abundant harvest is at hand, says the Lord. I am releasing angels of abundant harvest into the nation. You will reap what you've sown. This is a double-edged sword. Where the enemy has resisted your harvest in years past, you will see a multiplication effect of blessing in your life. Doors will open unto you that no man can open. Opportunities will come your way that you never dreamed, imagined, or even thought to ask for. Provision will enter your life from unexpected places. If you have sown to the spirit, says the Lord, you will reap from the spirit. If you have sown into my kingdom business, you will see a return on the investment of your time, your finances, and your relationships. Reinforcement will come to support the work of your hand. You will find lack is no longer in your language. You will see blessings chase you down and overtake you. You will find that I am leading you and guiding you with greater precision, says the Lord. You will hear my voice and dream my dreams and see my visions you will rest in me and have confidence and faith in me that defies the enemy's plans for your life this is a year of abundant harvest i'm gonna stop there
0: yeah i think you've done just about enough damage there um yeah so notice she said she was gonna read this word from the lord and you're not gonna find this in your bible anywhere you know the the God is releasing the angels of abundant harvest. You know, so um, what on earth is going on here? I, I I have an idea as to what's going on here. Yeah, they're trying to sell books, make a lot of money. Yeah, important word of the Lord, but you got to pay. Um, Jennifer LeClaire, if you, if you want to hear it, you know.
1: I want to invite you to visit angelsprophecy.com. Angelsprophecy.com. I've written a book, Charisma House is putting the final touches on it, getting it off to the printer, rushing it to the printer right now, where I have broken down the, the principles in this prophetic word.
0: Yeah. She's engaged in very careful exegesis. And in fact, she translated it firsthand from the original Greek itself. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there'll be commentaries later that we can add to our Bible commentaries um, where Bible scholars will spend, you know, hours and weeks, months, years pouring over this this new, fresh revelation from God. And and in fact, I'm pretty sure that um, those traditional churches that follow electionary, that um, they're going to have to modify their electionary so that they can slot this new word from God in and make sure that it's preached on. So the We don't miss the full counsel of the word of God, you know,
1: which I'll read you more of tomorrow. Just for sake of length, the principles of this prophetic word that we might apply them to our life. See, many times we get prophetic words and we get a goosebump. We call three people. We jump up and down and and, and get excited. But then we put it in a drawer. We hear it. It bears witness. We judge it as true. But then we set it aside and we don't do anything about it. And here's the thing. We have to cooperate with God. We have to do our part. We have to position ourselves ourselves rightly. And so the book that I've put out releasing the angels
0: I have to position myself rightly which biblical text says that. And of course, you know, I you know, the thing that's coming to my mind is what scripture says about scripture itself. Kind of a weird thing. Um, uh, the apostle Paul writing to young pastor Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter Three, starting at verse 14, he says this to Pastor Timothy, As for you, continue what you've learned and have firmly believe, knowing from whom you've learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, that would be the Bible, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture, now note this here, verse 16, all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Hmm. It's weird, because what Scripture says about Scripture is that Scripture prepares, well, Christians for every good work that they could do. You see, there's nothing in the written Word of God, that explains how to release abundant harvest angels. I'm pretty sure they don't exist. Um, you know, maybe they're, you know, in the same genre of beasts, like, you know, (sighs) Cornish pixies, um, unicorns, minotaurs, and things like that. Uh, Abundant harvest angels. You, you, you might find them, you you know, next to the Loch Ness monster. In fact, I'm, pretty sure the Loch Ness Monster has better chance of existing than abundant harvest angels. And it's just based on this simple fact that if God wanted me to know how to release abundant harvest angels, then it would already be in the written word of God because, well, the, the Bible, is, according to scripture, is will make me complete and equipped for every good work. And I'm assuming that, you know, releasing an abundant harvest angel would be a good work if it were actually even real you know
1: of abundant harvest will equip you to to break this down take it down chunk it down and apply these things to your life to understand uh, laws of the harvest to understand hindrances to your abundance to understand how angels work in this realm because listen
0: yeah are you experiencing hindrances to your abundance do you suffer from edema uh, vertigo yeast infections well you know hey it may be legion. So you need to learn how to release an abundant harvest angel. <laughs> this, is, this is not Christianity. I don't know what this is.
1: Listen, there's a lot of extreme teachings on angels. And if you follow my ministry, you know all too well that I speak boldly against these things. As I do in the book, I speak boldly in the book. But I want to invite you to go check this out. Be among the first. You can pre-order it now.
0: Yeah, be among the first. Get it on the ground level of this new revelation from God. And don't worry, she's talked about the extreme teachings out there regarding angels. But what she's saying, this isn't extreme. This is just really just conservative, you know, run-of-the-mill new revelation from God. I, I think you get the point. This is absurd. And, yeah, if you believe that Jennifer LeClaire is capable of releasing abundant harvest angels then I have a bridge I'd like to sell you in New York. It's beautiful. I mean, Art Deco style. Oh, man. And I can sell it to you for a song. All right. We are up on our first break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we're going to be listening to Andy Stanley and Joel Osteen. Yeah, Andy Stanley's at it again. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. We don't need to rethink Christianity. We need to rediscover it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. You're listening
4: to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your first doctrine now. <laughs> no, oh, no, no, oh, no. A pirate's life for me. We village, we thunder, we rifle, we do drink up, we harvest your home. We kidnap and ravage and don't give a hoop, bring up.
2: Birdcage Theater presents Church Day Select. of entrails, listen up. I've got some good news and I've got some bad news straight from the top. I, I, I'm sorry, I mean bottom. What's the news from the boss? The good news, gentlemen, is that our soul quotas are up by about 50% this year alone. The bad news is that we have to try harder. We're getting awfully close to Armageddon and it's everyone's responsibility to do their worst. As we all know, the major culprit responsible for our blistering success is the continued decline of biblical intelligence amongst American evangelicals. They're just begging to be led astray by false doctrines. We barely have to try anymore. It's actually kind of depressing. Do you all remember how successful General Abraxas was with his son's stand-still scheme? Yes! We would never have gotten away with a teaching like that 20 years ago. Yet, thanks to how mind-numbingly illiterate people have become with their Bibles, it worked like a miracle. Miracles? Hear My fellow miscreants, I apologize. Slip on the forked tongue. <clears throat> now, where was I? Ah, yes. So now our orders are to come up with the dumbest, the lamest, and most ludicrous teachings to throw at these dullards and see what sticks. Anyone got any suggestions? We, uh, we could sell indulgences so that people could, uh, uh, get time off of purgatory. That's too 13th century, Agret. If you had spent even the slightest amount of effort in your demonic studies instead of trying to reinvent the selfie, you might have known that little historical (laughs) (laughs) toy. Anyone else? Uh, how about praying the dead saints? Done it! Women could be pastors? No, 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 no! Pastrix is already in the dictionary! We can chalk that up as a victory! Maybe. We should tell everyone that they're still under the Mosaic Law. And that they must obey kosher laws! And that they must not celebrate Christmas! And be Torah observant! Too Jewish! Come on, you worthless maggots! We've already done all these before! We need to be more creative! And by that, I mean LESS creative! How about swingers for Jesus. We've already done that one, you idiot. What about portals? Who who said that? Uh, I I did. Well, speak up, worm. What about heavenly portals above Jerusalem? This sounds eerily like the tithing gnome, and he wasn't that popular. No, 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 you wretchedness. These are portals only above Jerusalem, and heavenly blessings fall out of them on on the passersby. And and you'll need a map to find them. And where exactly will they procure this map? It'll come free with every purchase of the Microsoft Zoom. Silence, you imbeciles! They stopped making those years ago. Even the Pet Rock had better features, and that's bad. Even by our standards. Mm, That just sounds terrible. Why would anybody? Who's next? Uh, There's a sound membrane. A sound membrane in the sky that is bulging. And it it is starting to leak. You had my curiosity, but now you have my attention. That's it, Richard, this. That's all I got. Sorry. Well, that's by far the worst idea I've heard yet. And I'm satisfied. I'll just run these notes down the chain of command. Meeting is adjourned! (laughs)
0: Warning! Listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that the Bible is sufficient. Yeah, that we don't need all these weird claims to hearing from God and stuff. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith, this is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you... And your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you and to the world. And you can partner with us. It's a partnership. Visit our website, FightingForTheFaith.com. When you get there, you're going to see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew. Our ranks are based upon your monthly commitment. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's Mate at $24.95 a month. Master Gunner at $49.95 a month. And then Quartermaster at $99.95 a month. This is a great way to support us. And, of course, if you would like to specify the amount that you would like to contribute, you could do so by clicking on the Donate button. Or, if you'd like to do this the traditional way, you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith. Send it to post office box 13344 Grand Forks, North Dakota. It's a little frozen up here at the moment. Zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. Moving along. Yep, time for a Vision Casting Leader update. Los Lobos Ministry Records and uh, their rendition. Casting Vision. (laughs) Yeah, I think it started off out in the world of classic rock, foreigners, (laughs) double vision. But, you know, we we have a tendency to kind of twist things up around here at Fighting for the Faith. It's a musical. I don't know if you realize this, but Fighting for the Faith is a musical. So we're going to be uh, heading over to North Point Church as we listen to Andy Stanley at it again. And I, I <laughs> after all of the damage that was done, you know, and with with what we covered, where he was basically saying that Christianity doesn't hinge or depend on the Bible, but and all the nonsense he was talking about, he let one slip again. And it's like, why does this man speak with forked tongue? You know, (laughs) anyway, I think you kind of get the point. So the name of the message is Who Needs Christmas? We'll probably listen to a little bit more than just the relevant portion. But note here that what he's saying is patently false. And I'll explain as we go. Here's uh, Andy Stanley.
5: Hey one of the uh, the challenging things about the Christmas season and one of the challenging things about the Christmas story is in fact the Christmas story the Christmas story that relates to the birth of Jesus because there's so much miraculous there's so much amazing there's so much that's really unbelievable about it and a lot of people just don't believe it and I understand that and and maybe the you know the thought is hey they had to come up with some myth about the birth of Jesus to give him street cred you know later on you know, maybe
0: that's where that came from it's in- okay now so that's what non believers say now I would note that Scripture explicitly says that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Uh huh. That the well, it actually says something else, but I'm going to save that passage um, for a, a, a look here in just a second because he's going to claim that this the Christmas story goes all the way back to Genesis, and I would agree with him, but he just didn't go far enough back. But already we've got a problem because he's you know. Andy Stanley does the weirdest thing. He tries on the rhetoric of skeptics, and he just seems just comfortable wearing that sweater. It's the weirdest thing, you know. And so, you know, so there's these skeptics and, you know, non-believers will sit there and say, well, they had to come up with some kind of birth myth or birth narrative for the Messiah in order to give him street creds. But the thing is, is that Scripture's clear. He was born of a virgin. It says it in Isaiah 7. It explicitly says it in the Gospel of Matthew in the opening chapters. It says that also explicitly in the opening chapters of Luke. And so if Jesus wasn't born of a virgin, then the Bible is lying to you. Straight up. And if it's lying to you about how Jesus was born, how do you know it wasn't lying to you about how Jesus rose from the grave? Yeah, just kind of a thought there, but let's continue.
5: It's interesting because Matthew gives us a version of the birth of Christ. Luke does. But Mark and John, they don't even mention it. And a lot has been made of that. So before we jump in, I just want to say one thing about that whole thing. You know, And you've heard me say some version of this a million times. So this, this will be old if you've been around for a while. But see, if somebody can predict their own death and then their own resurrection, I'm not all that concerned about how they got into the world. Because the whole resurrection thing is so amazing. And in fact, you should know this, that Christianity doesn't hinge on the true uh, the truth or even the stories around the birth of Jesus. It really hinges on the resurrection of Jesus. And-
0: what? Why are we driving a wedge between the resurrection and the virgin birth? <laughs> Again. If Jesus is actually the product of Mary and Larry, because <laughs> Joseph ain't the father, if, if Jesus is the product of Mary getting it on with some guy named Larry, then he wasn't born of the Virgin Mary. And then that portion of Scripture is a lie. But it's even worse than that, because if Jesus wasn't born of the Virgin Mary, as Scripture says... Then he has a natural papa, a daddy just like you and I have. And well, <laughs> that means Jesus had a sinful nature. And Jesus was born with original sin. And he that if he's born with original sin, he's in need of a savior. It's kind of how that works. And so, yeah, a lot is hinging on the virgin birth and why on earth is A Christian pastor from the stage, notice I didn't say pulpit, from the stage, you know, so ready and willing to just throw that away. Okay, you don't like the virgin birth? Here, you can have it. No problem. We don't need it anyway. No, no, let me have that back. No, we need this. Ugh. And yet as unbelievable as the birth narratives are
5: and as unbelievable as the accounts are that we find in Ma- in Matthew and Luke, when you get the backstory, story, when you get the whole story, this unbelievable story actually becomes a remarkable story. Because the story of Christmas doesn't begin with a couple who's trying to figure out how in the world they got pregnant. The Christmas story actually
0: begins with a couple that are worried that they'll never get pregnant. It, now he's talking about Abram and Sarai in the book of Genesis. And I disagree with him because he didn't go back far enough. And that's the other passage we'll take a look at in a minute, but let's let him spin this out for a second here.
5: Didn't begin with a couple trying to figure out where are we going to have this baby? It begins with a couple that's pretty confident they're never going to have a baby. The backstory of Christmas is what makes this Christmas story so incredibly remarkable. And it doesn't begin with angels announcing in Matthew or Luke. It actually begins with God making a, promises, a promise in the book of Genesis. And not just any promise. An unbelievable, really incoherent, that is, when this promise was made, the person who received the promise, this could not have made any sense whatsoever in his cultural context. An impossible, an unbelievable, incoherent, impossible promise. That as we look at this promise, it was absolutely impossible for it to come true. And yet this promise set up the events around Christmas. And in fact, this promise and the remarkable story around this promise is really what makes Christmas so believable. And the story around the birth of Jesus, so believable. The promise was made about 2,000 years before Jesus was born. In fact, around the year two, 2,090 is about the best way we can estimate this. And it's found in the book of Genesis, but for just a minute, especially if you're new to church or you've been out for a while or you're not so sure about the Bible, don't think the Bible. I want you to think about this document that the Jews entitled Genesis That was that's over 3,000 years old. Some say it's way long older than 3,000 years old, but this document called genesis that tells us how the jewish nation began so it was very very important to jewish people so they copied it meticulously and they handed it down through the years and eventually it became part of a lot of jewish literature and eventually it became part of what we would call the jewish scriptures and then eventually the jewish scriptures were added to the documents that became part of the new testament and all put all that together and lo and behold we have a bible But the Bible didn't give us Genesis. Genesis was created that ultimately became part of the Bible. And in this document, this ancient, ancient, ancient Jewish document that we know as Genesis, we find this extraordinary, unbelievable, literally incoherent promise that God made to a man named Abram that eventually we know as Abraham. So here's how Christmas began. The Lord said to Abram, eventually we'll call him Abraham,
0: the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your... Just so you know, since you, you can't see the video, we're in Genesis chapter 12, starting at verse 1. That's what we're listening to
5: your father's household to the land that I will show you. Now, we're not sure why God chose Abram any more than we're sure why you know God chose Joseph and God chose Mary. And he tells Abraham, our Abram, I want you to leave everything you know, which was very, very dangerous, because security and safety in ancient times had everything to do with your clan, your tribe, your family, your relatives. And so he's asked to do something that's extraordinarily dangerous. I want you to leave everything you know, everyone you know, in the security of your home, and I will tell you when you get to the place I want you to go. And then the promises begin. And God says to Abram, and I will make you a great nation. Now Abram's about 75 years old at this point. He doesn't have any children. So he may have thought to himself, great nation. I don't know about great nation. I would be happy just to be a great grandfather. Maybe we could just start with great grandfather. I don't think I'm going to live long enough to know that I became a great nation and the promises continue and I will bless you. And I will make your name great, which means Abram, I'm going to make you famous to which he probably thought, no, I'm not going to be famous. I'm going to be forgotten because if I leave everyone I know, and if I leave everything I know, chances are no one will ever know that I even existed. And then the promise continues and you will be a blessing. Now, this is when, within the cultural context of these ancient, ancient times, this was, this began not, this didn't even make any sense. Because this was a time of extraordinary, extraordinary violence. In fact, one of the things that kind of, you know, bugs you a little bit if you read the Old Testament is all the violence and all the bloodshed. People weren't in the habit of blessing anybody other than their family. And yet God says to Abram that you are going to be a blessing. And he says, and I'm telling you, nothing's going to get in the way of this happening because I will bless those. You may have heard this before. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. In other words, Abram, I'm going to be a part of your story and I'm going to be a part of your, the people who follow you story. I'm going to be a part of your children's story, your children's children's story. I'm going to be a part of this story until this story is completed and nothing is going to stop it. <laughs> And then God gets to the completely unbelievable, incoherent, absolutely impossible part of the promise. And he says this, and all peoples, and all peoples, in other words, every people group, every tribe, every clan, every gathering of families. They didn't really have nations the way that we think of nations back then, but every group of people, everybody that speaks the same language, every nation, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you that is every single person on the earth will ultimately and eventually be impacted by your life abram everybody on the planet is somehow going to know your name and is going to be touched
0: indirectly through what i'm about to do through you all right now you, you kind of get the point all right so he's he's in genesis 12 and he's gone to the i will bless those who bless you him who dishonors you, I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed blessed by the seed of Abram. Now I made the claim that um, well um, Andy Stanley didn't go far enough back in the book of Genesis. yeah see if you really want to get to the real first instance of something that has anything to do with Christmas, you gotta go all the way back to Genesis. Chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3 we have the account of the fall of mankind which is what predicates our need for a savior. And in our fall in the curses that in the curse that you hear coming from God to the serpent we hear the very first promise regarding the Messiah the savior. And, uh, in fact, it's called, they call it in theological circles, the proto the first gospel. But let me read, starting at Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, for our context, and then we'll note how the specifics of that prophecy absolutely demand and require the virgin birth. But, well, let's, let's go here. Genesis 3, 1, "...now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made." He said to the woman, "'Did God really say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden?' And the woman said to the serpent, "'Well, we may eat of the fruit that's in the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that's in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die.' But the serpent said to the woman, "'You will not surely die, for God knows when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil.'" So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths." the, the the woman you gave to be with me, she, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, the, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, Listen carefully. Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock, and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat, all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. You see, the first promise really regarding Christmas isn't Genesis 12. It's Genesis 3.15. The promise of the seed of the woman. hmm the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent. And that's what Jesus is. Jesus is not the offspring of a man and a woman. He's the seed, the offspring of a woman. The first prophecy regarding the virgin birth is found in Genesis 3.15. And if uh, Andy Stanley is so quick to throw it away as if it really doesn't matter when it does, um... You know, I don't understand why he would do that, and why is it that he continues to speak in this way rather than, well, preach to Christians in a way that would give them confidence in the Word of God and tell and show them that the virgin birth is absolutely necessary without it? We don't have a Savior if Jesus is born of Mary and Larry. Well, then you're still in your sins and in need of a savior, and Jesus could not certainly have died for your sins. I think you get the point. Moving along. Yep, time for a Joel Osteen update. When I'm feeling lonely, sad as I can be, all by myself in uncharted island in an endless sea. What makes me happy? Fills me up with glee. Those bones in my
2: jaw that don't have a flaw My shiny teeth and me My shiny teeth that twinkle Just like the stars in space My shiny teeth that sparkle And beauty to my face My shiny teeth that glisten Just like the Christmas tree You know they walk a mile just to see me smile Woo! Shiny teeth and me
0: Yeah, shiny teeth in me. All right, so it's a Joel Osteen update, and I asked the question at the beginning of the program, and I will reiterate the question. If you believe in the word of faith heresy, that your, well, positive thoughts, your faith-filled words are what, well, in your positive imagination, are the things that cause positive things to happen to you in your present and in your future – if you happen to have a setback, you know, maybe like terminal cancer or something like that, and well, rather than, well, dying, God ends up being merciful and allowing medical technology and uh, you know care to save your life rather than send you into the grave. Who gets the credit? Who gets the credit? Is it God? Or is it you? Well, let's let Joe Osteen explain that to us. ...as we listen to a portion of his message titled, Protect Your Imagination. Here we go.
6: Well, God bless you. It's a joy to come into your homes. And if you're ever in our area, please stop by and be a part of one of our services. I promise you, we'll make you feel right at home. I like to start with something funny. I heard about these two evil brothers that were very wealthy. One of them died. His brother said to the pastor, I'll make a deal with you. I'll make a large donation to your church under one condition if at the funeral you'll say, My brother was a saint. The pastor agreed, and the man made the donation. During the service, the pastor said, This man was an evil man. He lied, he cheated, he stole, but compared to his brother, he was a saint. (laughs) Say it like you mean it. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I will be taught the Word of God. No, you won't. I boldly confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will never be the same. I am about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, ever-living seed of the Word of God. I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. God bless you. I want to talk to you today about protecting your imagination. We all have pictures that we see in our mind. God created us as visual beings. Like a movie screen, different images will come up. Sometimes we're not even thinking about it, and a negative imagination will come. We'll see our business going down, our child getting off course, us losing our health. There's no truth to it. It's not going to come to pass, but if you let that play, you'll go through the day worried. Wrong imaginations will keep you awake at night. Dwelling on these negative images will cause you to live in fear. It will keep you from expecting God's best.
0: What passage of Scripture teaches this? You know, the all-important, you know, how do you keep negative imaginative things off your mind doctrine? Maybe these are from Legion, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, it's all and it sounds like chatter of mind to me, you know,
6: imagination. It's not a reality. It's just something you're seeing in your mind. It's one thing to have something to deal with that's actually happening. We all face challenges, but too often we're letting these wrong imaginations of what might happen, what might not work out, what might fall apart to steal our joy, cause us to live stressed.
0: The good news is... The good news is that Christ bled and died for our sins. Repent and be forgiven. Is that where he's going with this? What's the good news? You control your imagination. So the good news is I control my imagination. Yeah, I'm just having a hard time finding any of this in the Bible. It just seems so well made up, so contrived, so well yeah you know like that (sighs) we continue
6: you control what pictures play in your mind and just because that negative image comes doesn't mean you have to tune in
0: you can change the channel right yeah the important change the channel doctrine Right. And the scripture tells us to cast
6: down these wrong imaginations. Quit <laughs> Could I see that text in context, please? Letting these negative images play. When my mother was fighting terminal cancer, in the middle of the night, lying in bed, she would see herself being buried in a new pink dress that she had never worn. That picture came up in the move on the movie screen of her life. She didn't ask for it. She wasn't thinking about it. She was trying to stay in faith. But these negative imaginations will come, especially when we're in difficult times.
0: Mm -hmm. Negative imaginations will come, especially if we're in difficult times. And the Bible tells us to cast those things down, right? Now, by the way, the the text in question, although he never read it out, and I think there's a reason why, is 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5. But he's referencing the King James version of it. 2nd Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. Out of context, is here let me read it from the King James. Hang on a second, let me pull this up. Uh, here's what it says casting down imaginations.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, see, 2 Corinthians 10.5, man says, casting down imaginations. Let's read... <laughs> I ah, cannot believe people are falling for this. Anyway, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'll start at verse 1 to apply our three rules. Context, context, context. And we will get to verse 5 in a minute. But let me start at verse 1. I Paul myself and treat you by the meekness and the gentleness of Christ... I, who am humble when face to face with you, but bold towards you when I am away, I beg you that when I am present I may not have to show show boldness with such confidence as I count on showing against some who suspect us of walking according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So this is talking about those who are, well, taking their lofty opinions and exalting them above the word of God. That's what Paul is referring to here. This is not a text that tells us that when we have a negative thought come across the screen of our mind, that we need to cast that imagination down. In fact, the doctrine he's teaching, oddly enough, is the very type of lofty opinion that we are supposed to cast down. That's the weird irony here. But now notice, he's talked about his mother, his mother having terminal cancer. His mother, while having terminal cancer, had the vision in her mind of her wearing a a pink dress in a casket and 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 she needed to well cast that negative imagination down and she's still with us by the way today but let's hear who's going to get the glory here
6: they'll show us all the worst case scenarios have you ever noticed when you're in the heat of the battle you never see pictures of you overcoming the sickness your business taking off you meeting the person of your dreams Those pictures don't automatically come. It's just the opposite. If my mother would have pulled up a chair and watched that movie night after night of her being buried in that pink dress, that would have taken root in her spirit.
0: Uh See, the reason why she's still alive, and she'll probably live forever, is because she didn't let that negative imagination take root in her spirit. Mm -hmm. Who's getting the glory here? Christ? God, nor Joel Osteen's mama. She would
6: have become depressed, defeated, and might not be here today. When you see these negative pictures, don't take the bait. They are not a reality. That is not predicting your future. That is a wrong imagination that you need to
0: cast down. Uh-huh. So, yeah, notice who got the credit there. Jesus didn't. His mama got the credit. Yeah. And th- by the way, this doctrine nowhere taught in Scripture. Mm-hmm. I, you know, just weird, you know. So there's there's uh, Joe talking about how his mom must, you know, how, when she had cancer, she had these visions of her in a pink dress being buried, which, by the way, probably still going to happen unless Jesus shows up. She's going to die because you know, like everybody does. Um, so, but of course, you know, uh, yeah. When when she does die, then Joe Osteen will be able to blame it on his mother who apparently let some negative imagination take root in her spirit, which will lead to her demise. (sighs) Yeah, no, I see. And you'll, you'll notice here. How many passages of scripture did Joel Osteen exegete in those few minutes that we played? How many? Hmm. Answer zero. That was a completely Bible free Teaching on the part of Joel Osteen, and I think that's the problem. All right, we're up on our second break. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter, my name there at pirate Christian. Quick break. When we come back, we are going to be going to. Uh, Oral Roberts University, 1974, and listen to Catherine Kuhlman preach about just Jesus.
6: If you want advice on how to have your best life now, you're in the wrong place. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith.
0: Hybrid Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... <laughs>
6: Are listening to Byron Christian Radio. This is Dr. Curtis Lines. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches.
4: We preach the gospel to them! What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box! <laughs> to err is to heretic, to are is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today.
0: Alright, we're back. Hour number two of fighting for the faith sermon reviews. Fine. We're going to go back in time. We will not be using our DeLorean for the trip, though. Yeah, we, we already used it recently, and i, I got to get it into the shop for some repairs. <laughs> Let's do this right, though. Hey, ho! We got the bad, the ugly, we review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon comes to us via Oral Roberts University. 1974 is the year. Catherine Kuhlman is the woman preaching. No relation to Brent Kuhlman that I know of. And uh, the name of the sermon, no joke, is titled Just Jesus. We're going to, when she got up to take the stage, you know, she actually said a few words about the senior class and things like that. So we're going to pick up just as she's about to pray, and we're going to note her prayer, what she is praying for. And then we're just going to check to see if, if her prayer will be answered, if she's going to assist In having this prayer answered, because she's going to pray that the people listening to her don't see her, or something to that effect. So, let me go ahead and back off on the music, and without any further ado, here's Catherine Kuhlman in her 1974 Oral Roberts University Chapel sermon titled, Just Jesus.
7: October the 5th. And wonderful Jesus, I pray that not one person shall see Catherine Kuhlman.
0: All right, so she begins her her, her prayer by, she's praying that not one person will see Catherine Kuhlman. That's her prayer. And the name of the title is Joss Jesus. Let's see how that plays out. Not a
7: young person in this place today shall see Catherine Kuhlman.
0: Looking right at her, though. Okay.
7: But I pray that not one young person shall cross the threshold of this place of worship. The same young person they were when they entered The Holy Spirit shall move upon our waiting hearts. You know,
0: she sounds like a thespian. Now, look that one up, T-H-E-S-P-I-A. Yeah, that's somebody who is into the dramatic arts. Um, Yeah, and she kind of has this creepy old lady thing going on here. As I'm watching her and listening to her voice, it reminds me of the, the very beginning part of the Haunted Mansion, you know, and there are no windows and no doors, <laughs> which, well, may, may requires you to find a way out. <laughs> you know, it that's <laughs> kind of what she sounds like to me. I pray for them. I pray
7: for myself. For no one in the whole world is as Hungry for more than the one who's speaking this morning, if only the young people could know it. For just a few minutes I bear my soul to them.
0: Yeah, um you said you didn't want them to see you, but you're gonna bear your soul to them. You might want to preach a biblical text about Jesus if you want it to be. Uh, well, about just Jesus, you know.
7: I shall do something I've never done in my life before, never. And yet it's something I have to do. But through it all, may they know that the one who's speaking is crying out for more. Because there is. So oh, much more. Every atom of my being is crying out for more. So much more.
4: Okay. Yeah. Do you think
0: she rehearsed that, you know, we...
4: It's a simple
7: prayer,
0: but you know my heart.
7: I never plan too much in advance.
0: Okay, so the first sentence of the actual sermon is, I never plan too much in advance. The name of the sermon is Just Jesus. Who is she preaching about? Herself? Who she just prayed that none of the kids would see her? Or is she preaching about Jesus? Yeah, uh uh-huh. Work the pronouns out and you can figure out who she's preaching about. At least the first sentence of the sermon, you know.
7: And I'll just be very frank with you. I usually take one day at a time. I take one service at a time. If I planned in advance, I would have had a nervous breakdown a long time ago. And let's just be practical about the thing. It's just like that. I knew I had the great service yesterday. And so, we were praying about that. Who talks
4: like this?
7: Last night, weary in body, I'll tell you, that was one of the shortest nights I ever spent. Something happened to Tulsa time, I don't know what it was. But when I awakened this morning, I was like in the same position when I went to sleep last night. And I don't remember going to bed, you
3: know.
0: Right, this is kind of like the theological equivalent of a selfie so far, Um, and (laughs) long before the invention of the smartphone, it's the weirdest thing, you know. But when I awakened, I tell you the truth:
7: I knew exactly what God wanted me to do,
0: and 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 what did God want you to do? And what is going on here?
7: Something I have never, never done in my life before. I tell you the truth.
0: Yeah, generally, if you have to tell me that you're telling me the truth, you're probably not.
7: What I say to you, the world does not know. It is something that you don't talk about. It is something you don't tell the whole world. They wouldn't understand. God has a purpose. God has a reason for having asked me to do what I'm doing.
0: So God asked you to do this. Hmm. Okay. Um. So far, her Bible remains unopened, sitting on a um, music stand. There at Oral Roberts University, I'm looking at it. It looks tattered. I mean, it looks worn. It looks like she's read it a few times. But so far, it's sitting unopened. You sure God was the one who told you to, to do all this dramatic stuff? Okay.
7: I'm going to tell you what Catherine Kuhlman is really like.
0: You are. Wow. God told you to do that. Again, the name of the message, Just Jesus. And... um she prayed um, right before delivering this particular message that, um, that none of the students there would see Catherine Kuhlman, but they would only see Jesus. And yet she claims God told her to tell us what Catherine Kuhlman is really like. Hmm.
7: Okay. Every time somebody gets Dino off private leg. When the first thing they'll ask is, what's Miss Kuhlman really like? Whatever they get, my Maggie, I don't care where we are, anywhere in the nation, they'll get Maggie off and say, now, Maggie, confidentially,
0: what is Miss Kuhlman really like? Yeah, what, what biblical text is this again? They get Dr. Metcalf
7: off someplace privately, you know probably inviting him for just a, a little luncheon or something. But they really wanting to know just one thing, Dr. Metcalf, confidentially, what is Ms. Kuhlman really like? Few people really know.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking taco short of combo plate. He has bats in the belfry. You know, things like that, you know.
7: My sister, my older sister, who's old enough to be my mother, said not more than three weeks ago. She looked me directly in the face and she said, You know, Catherine, I really still
0: don't understand So far, what I understand is that um, you don't mean what you say or say what you mean. Yeah, you wanted them to not see you, but to see Jesus, and you're preaching about you. It's this weird doublespeak thing going on here.
7: And I often smile when those who are nearest to me will say, <laughs> "That's all right. We understand." you.
0: Do I do I need to understand you in order to be saved? I know Catherine. Um that's great. Um Is are you the person I need to know to en- enter eternal life?
7: I know her better than anyone else in the whole world. And for just a very few minutes, I'm going to tell you what she's really like. You see what the... Yeah,
0: you, you go right ahead. You just prayed that you didn't want them to see you. You want them to see Jesus. Yeah.
7: world sees... It's just the glamour
5: of it all.
0: Right. Right, yeah. Nothing but glamour I'm looking at right now, yeah.
5: All of that...
7: 14,000 people really saw yesterday. Oh, that the thousands of people really see of Catherine Kuhlman. is she comes walking out on stage with a long white dress. And they see the smile.
0: Yeah, I should note that um, Benny Hinn claims to have received Catherine Kuhlman's mantle after she died. Yeah, it's true.
7: And some say she's a little too theatrical.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with that one. No, she's not denying it.
7: Somebody in the shrine auditorium who didn't know who my older sister was and they were sitting directly behind her. They'd never been there before. And they said, don't you think she's a little theatrical? And my older sister turned around and she said, I want you to know, I've known her since she was born. And that's just Catherine. (laughs) And they see the glamour of everything and they think it's wonderful. And they think it must be a thrilling life. Oh, it must be a glorious life. All you have to do is to get on a long white dress. All on earth that you have to do is to just stand up there and smile. All you have to do is is to just do it. I was on a talk show the other day.
0: Uh, please tell us something about that. The Bible, again, sits unopened on a music stand. <clears throat> please tell us some more about yourself. This Texas,
7: and I was being interviewed, and one of the questions was, Ms. Cuman, what would you say to, to uh, a woman who uh, would aspire to be a woman preacher? You know what I said?
0: Uh, Repent. Women aren't. Never mind.
7: I shocked the ones. It was a woman who was interviewing me that she didn't get her breath for the rest of the telecast. I'll tell you that. I said, all right, I'll tell you what to do. Don't do it. If you've never been called, don't do it. If you've never had a real call from God, don't do it. But if you've had a real call from God, no matter what the cost is, do
0: it. Yeah, Um. you know, God calls men preachers, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, you know.
1: And it's just that simple. I'll tell you
0: what Catherine Kuhlman is really like. Yeah, please. Yeah, tell me some more about you. I just, yeah. Learn a lot about Catherine Kuhlman here. Yeah. Jesus, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I can read about him later, I guess.
7: I made disillusioned. It's more than a long white dress. It's more than just a smile on the face. It's more than coming out on the stage. I remember something that my papa said when I was very young. My,
0: was it a Bible verse? That, that would help a little bit here to make this a little bit more biblical and a little more about Jesus and a little less about Catherine Coleman.
7: Papa was my idol. The most perfect man that ever lived. And I'll still face the whole world.
0: Yeah, I, I thought Jesus was... was he, most perfect guy who ever lived. And, you know, he actually was perfect. Totally sinless. You Just saying, the name of the sermon is just Jesus. And the most perfect man who ever lived, according to Catherine Gullman, was her papa.
7: Say I had a papa.
0: Who was the most
7: perfect man that ever lived. He was my idol. He was my love. If ever a girl worshipped her father, I worshipped my papa. I believed every word that he said. Papa couldn't be wrong. He couldn't. And I remember one day that papa came. And he said, baby. He called me baby and carried me when I was so tall. My legs dragged on the pain. He was still lugging me. He said, baby, you know, you can have anything in the world that you want. I don't care what it is. You can have anything as long as you have these two good hands. Anything. Anything in the world that you want. You can be anything you want to be. If you want it enough, I believed every word that Papa said, he said it. Papa couldn't lie.
0: Oh, no, really, he could. He was uh, a sinner just like the rest of us.
7: Hands if I worked hard enough.
0: Yeah, so that's a story about how you got everything you wanted. Wow.
7: Papa worked hard. Papa wanted money. There was a day when Joe Coon was considered the richest man in Lafayette County. Ask. Anyone from Lafayette County, go to my little hometown, Concordia, Missouri. Ask anyone about Joe Coolman. I'm not a celebrity in Concordia, Missouri, but my father was a man who is the man they remember. As one day, being the richest man in Lafayette County, and he had told me, baby, you can have anything. Anything if you'll work hard enough with these hands. But Papa died.
0: Yeah, proving he was a sinner. Wages of sin is death, you know, yeah. Most perfect man who ever lived. Died. (laughs) Jesus died because all our sin was laid on him. And he laid down his life. Can we talk about Jesus now?
7: Without a copper scent. He had lost it all. Before he died. I have something I wouldn't part with for anything in the world. It's a dollar bill.
0: Mm-hmm. That I just know the Bible continues to sit unopened on that music stand while she's working through this theatrical performance here.
7: It's a crisp dollar bill. A hobbit in a Bible.
1: It's something... Oh, that- good.
0: Go get it. and Open the Bible up and, you know, preach something from it, would you? It's sacred to me. Something very sacred.
7: I seldom pick it out and look at it, but there are times when I've taken it out and looked at was the inheritance that I received when Papa's estate was settled. The man who was once considered the richest man in Lafayette County in Missouri who said, baby, you can have anything if you work hard enough. And Papa worked Papa worked morning, noon, and night. He worked. But when he died, he had lost it all in the only inheritance that he left to the one that he loved more than life itself, his daughter. A man who one day would have given me his fortune. A man who would have given me anything. And my inheritance was $1. I've seen people who have reached the very height of fame. It was their desire, it was their purpose, it was their longing, it was everything. Oh, aim! But they forgot how thick people really are.
0: People are so thick. Right. Um, can, can we stop talking about you now? I'd like to hear something about Jesus. Um. Yeah, could you open the Bible that's been sitting there that whole time?
7: Human nature is so thick.
0: Uh, Actually sinful. Yeah, I think that's the way the scriptures describe it.
7: When they thought that Jesus was going to set up an earthly kingdom.
0: First mention of Jesus. Finally, we hear something about Jesus. He's going to set up a kingdom.
7: They followed him. They wanted to be a part from that earthly kingdom. They wanted a great position. These opportunists that hang on and you'll find them everywhere. And yet to the same people, a very short time later, were standing at the foot of that cross spitting upon. Ridiculing him. hearing him. Young people, you have much to learn. You have so much to learn. I would give anything in the world this morning if I could just give you a little of some of the things that I've gone through to help you. That you won't have to go through some of these things.
0: You you prayed at the beginning that they wouldn't see you that they'd see Jesus only. I mean Jesus has now finally made at least something of a cameo appearance. One thing learn and learn it
7: well. The fickleness of
0: human nature. Right, yeah, people are really f- Fickle, yeah, there's really fickle, yeah. Wow. Okay, yeah. I'm keeping notes here. I'll I'll never lose these.
7: They'll love you one day. They'll kiss your hand one day. And they'll spit on you the next.
0: Right. And the way she's telling this story, it just, you know, she's identifying with the fact that. Jesus was spat on. Apparently, Catherine Kuhlman, too. Okay.
7: There's only one upon whose love you can really rely, and that's his love.
0: All right, so we're learning that Jesus has reliable love. Right, yes, okay. I agree he does. Um, Can we please see you open that Bible there, Catherine?
7: And so I considered it all. It wasn't something that just happened overnight, not really. Not really. I considered it all. The whole thing. Papa died, never having heard me preach a sermon, never once. Papa was killed instantly. It was almost as though my heart of love was buried with him. But I saw something. I saw something. It's one of the greatest experiences of my life when that love was transformed into a greater love. And the love that one has for the master is not a human love. It's something so precious, so wonderful.
0: So now she's talking about her love for Jesus.
7: And if I were to tell you the scripture that means more to me than any other scripture in the word of God, you wouldn't believe it.
0: Well, try me on. I'd actually like to hear some God's word now because it's been totally missing. You wouldn't
7: believe it. That's the reason I'm telling you some things the world has never known. I don't talk about it. Keep me as the apple of thine eye. Cover me with thy wings. David expressed it one day. Keep me. Nothing else really matters. Not really, not really. Not really. Not really. Not really. You get the peace, you know. you have eyes for just one. We have a mind for just one. Your purpose is fixed. You may not know what I'm talking about today. You may not know. But I pray to God. He'll give you an understanding. He'll give you an understanding. It's something that's spiritual. It's something that you can't generate. You can't manufacture. It's... it's, uh, I only pray you'll understand.
0: Yeah, why don't you open up a biblical text and show it to me, because this sounds like a early version of the Dream Destiny thingy doctrine.
7: You live for just one. You breathe for just one. Just one really matters really. you live to please him. Keep me as the apple of thine eye. Keep me. There are millions out there. But I have eyes for just one. Keep me. I really love...
0: Just one. Really. Um, yeah, um... I I don't think you do that perfectly. Um, And based upon how much you talk about yourself, I'm pretty sure there's somebody else other than Jesus you love.
7: I would lie to you if I told you I wasn't a lonely person. I would tell you an untruth if I told you that I wasn't lonely sometimes I feel like the loneliest person in the whole world and yet I'm surrounded by literally thousands and thousands and they press upon you they crowd upon you there's Tell your clothing. We love you. We love you. I know. And that's priceless. That's wonderful. For real friends, you can count them on one hand. You could take away the thumb. That word friendship and friends is so empty. Is so empty that word friend is so empty. I want you to know the real Catherine.
0: Yeah, I'm really not all that interested. Can we get back to Jesus? You kind of brought him up for just a brief second there, you know. The one who lives
7: with just one purpose. me regardless of the price I'm human don't get the idea that I'm not human
0: no it's really clear that you are
7: I'm more human probably than anyone else in this place today and besides that I'm a woman I was a woman before I ever became a preacher. I'm a woman. I'm human. I have emotions. I see you deeply.
0: Yeah, I can tell. Um, yeah, a lot of personal pronouns uh, referring to yourself there. I, the name of the sermon, Just Jesus. It's weird
7: if i didn't feel deeply how in the world could i feel for that one who is suffering in deepest he has given me a love that is so priceless i guarded this carefully as one would guard a jewel the most expensive jewel in the world. Think of the most expensive gem in the world. And it's guarded carefully. And the thing that I guard so carefully is this priceless jewel that I have. My love for the masses. My love for people. But it's a supernatural love. I tell you, the God's
3: tree.
0: Supernatural love for the people. Okay. I thought you were going to say Jesus there for a second. Yeah, okay.
7: That I have stood before someone for whom I'm to pray, knowing that I had no healing virtue, knowing that I had no power to heal that one. I'm there with an overpowering love, Paul, that one, where literally I have prayed silently if it costs me my life.
0: Yeah, God's love for us cost us his life. Can we talk about that, please? Please heal that one.
7: Something I can not explain to you. It's something that's spiritual. It's something that's spiritual. Some of you young people may know what I'm talking about. Some may never know what I'm talking about. Some may never know. But it's something that he gives. It's a gift. Paul knew it. Paul understood it. As you read his writings, it was his priceless gift. Nothing else meant anything to him as much as this price this something. But my love for the master is the apple of thine eye. I seek to please no man.
0: Is she like the sister of Vincent Price, you know?
7: I seek to please no woman. I want his smile. I want his favor. I want him to fold me close to his heart. I want him to look down. And when his service is all over with the crowd is leaving and I go back to an empty dressing room and I take off the long white dress and I take my feet out of the shoes. I think of just one thing. Did I please him? Did I do my best for him? My Heavenly Father. It costs something. Everything worthwhile costs something. You see, young people, is what you want most. Let me ask as I stand before you this Monday morning, what do you want more than anything else? What in life do you want more than anything else? What is it? I ask you a direct question. What is it? And you know, you know there isn't a young person in this place but what knows the answer? You know what your goal in life is. You know at your age, you may ask a youngster in the 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th grade. You may ask someone, a sophomore in high school, a freshman. They may not know, but you're a... Fi-
0: Can't exactly accuse her of twisting the Bible how <laughs> can we, because... Really, even shown up except for you know, "Keep Me as the Apple of Your Eye." Okay,
7: each every one of you young people in this place are at the age you know as an adult what you want most in life. You know, you know what your goal is. You know. And many of you be willing to pay the price to attain that goal. You may break hearts. You may ride over people. No matter what it costs, ethical or unethical, you're going to get it. You're determined you're going to get it. You don't care what it does to somebody else. You don't care. You're going to get it. You've made up your mind.
0: You're determined. Bible still continues to sit unopened on the music stand there. Yeah, you know, I asked around a little bit and I said, you know, hey, if I were to, you know, review a Catherine Kuhlman sermon, like, what's one of her most famous sermons? Yeah, this is what people told me. I mean, the Just Jesus sermon at ORU. Okay, so far, Bible unopened. Catherine Kuhlman talking about Catherine Kuhlman. Well, incessantly at this point. We continue.
7: But there's nothing. That demands a greater price. Uh,
0: Than our salvation, which costs God, you know, the blood of the Son of God, you know, something like that.
7: Than to be the apple of his eye. Uh, uh,
0: yeah, that sounds like a confusion of law and gospel to me.
7: And to know that underneath are his everlasting. Means that two wills have to be surrendered as one. That's the hardest thing in the world. That's the hardest thing in the world. For so remember, He has a will. A perfect will for you.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah. So he's got a perfect will for me. That's the end of tape one of um, Just Jesus. Um, so let's head on over to tape two and see if she ever gets to the Just Jesus part. Because so far it's been just Catherine Coleman, you know.
7: Your will, Dave, his will. He'll never force you. God the Father did not boast his son. And Jesus came right up.
0: Yeah, it sounds like she's preaching a form of the uh, uh, Pelagian heresy. Okay.
7: To the very shadow of the cross, remember something. Jesus, the son of the living God, but remember when he was in the flesh. He was as much man as though he were not
0: God. Um, what? (laughs) Uh, He's the God-man. Right, yeah. A little bad Christology under the hood there. Know that.
7: I do not believe for one minute that Jesus wanted to die. I don't believe it. I don't, I don't believe it. Of himself and yet being as much man as though he were not God.
0: As much man as he as if he were not God, no, he's the God man. There's no way to separate those two, yeah.
7: He had a wheel separate and apart from the wheel of God the Father. Um
0: what text says that? Again, this is starting to uh, to literally wander into Christological heresy territory.
7: And that will was not surrendered until he came right through the very shadow of the
0: cross. Mm, so Jesus' human will was not surrendered until he got to the shadow of the cross. No biblical text says that, and that really starts to pinge into the Nestorian heresy, where you're separating Christ's humanity and divinity in such a way that that you end up with two Jesuses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no joke. That's what that is. No tax either. Bible is closed still, sitting on the music stand.
7: And he said, nevertheless, not to my will, but Thy be done. And had he not surrendered his will to the will of the Father, believe me of a truth.
0: Yeah, and this doesn't sound like truth, even though you're being very thespian-like
7: redemption's plan never would have been perfected.
0: Right, if Jesus hadn't had his human nature surrender his will perfectly, right? Yeah.
7: I would never have life eternal. You and I would never have had the privilege of being heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. For me to tell you that it's easy to surrender. I wouldn't.
0: Yeah, but apparently she's done it too. Yeah, just like Jesus did.
7: I'd like to take your face in my hands and say to you, it isn't easy. What I'm saying to you isn't easy. And I'd look you directly in the face and say, it isn't easy. But I plead with you, I will get down on my hands and knees and plead with you. Surrender that will of yours.
5: Surrender it.
7: You may aspire to great things.
0: Yeah, but you know, pull out the white flag and you know, surrender. Yeah. Jesus did. So you you need to do it too.
7: And say, Look what I can be. Look at my potentialities. I can be the world's greatest.
0: Thespian. Yeah. It's <laughs> just getting more dramatic by the second. And now it's starting to be peppered with some really nasty theology. Oh, boy, I'm glad we stuck it out this far. Can't wait to go a little farther.
7: You may aspire to great things and say, look what I can be. Look at my potentialities. I can be the world's greatest. The crowd will applaud. so temporary. It's all so empty when you realize how fickle people are. How short life is. The price is too great, really. I've weighed it all. And I made my choice and by choice, by choice, I have chosen his will and that Surrender the physical body. I'm talking about something. I'm talking about something that's real. I'm talking about something. I have chosen. It's my choice. I have chosen. To surrender my body as a living sacrifice.
0: Could could we talk a little bit more about Jesus' sacrifice? Yeah, you kind of glossed over that. And you keep, you know, talking about you. Praying
7: it shall be acceptable unto him. A living sacrifice. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Being led of the Holy Ghost, it's by choice. It's by choice,
0: right? Yeah, she's <clears throat> not sure if she's hissing or what that is.
7: I wasn't very old. Am I quite sure how old?
0: Yeah, another another story about Catherine Kuhlman from this Just Jesus sermon. Wow. Um, so I made an executive decision. I'm going to chop this up. This will be uh, part one. Uh, there's more to this, unfortunately. And I'm starting to get a nervous twitch watching the thespian in action. And uh, Wow. This is getting creepier by the minute. I <laughs> So I think you kind of get the point, but uh we will continue with part 2 of this uh probably Monday of next week. So uh <clears throat> yeah, just a little sampling of what uh Catherine Kuhlman was really like. She's well, she's uh, she preaches a lot about Catherine Kuhlman. and not about Jesus in the sermon titled just Jesus. Oh, okay. So, so, what'd you think? I'd love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at com. or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash fire Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at fire Christian. Till tomorrow, may God richly bless you. Grace and mercy won by Jesus Christ. Vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins. Amen.